Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Today's message was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie on June 30th, 2021, during our Wednesday evening service. We have services multiple times throughout the week, and we would love to see you at one of them. They are Sunday school at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 7 p.m., and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. Uh, To bring to you tonight so many requests, and and God, uh, we're going to be... Uh, sharing needs and, and sharing our hearts with, uh, with each other and with you in, in just a little bit. But God, uh, before we do that, I know many of us are carrying uh, very great burdens tonight. Uh, many of our uh, brothers and sisters who would normally be here are not able to be here because of uh, trials that they're going through, burdens that they're carrying. Um, God, help us as we go to your word to find strength and encouragement in your word and in you and in your love for us. And so, God, as we open your word, God, may our hearts be uh, strengthened by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 90. We're going to look at the oldest song in the Bible, the Psalm of Moses, Psalm 90. We live in uncertain times. We live in times of uh, wars and rumors of wars, birth pangs, uh, I believe, economic instability, moral decay and decline. In fact, decline doesn't even seem like a strong enough word to describe what I've been witnessing just in my lifetime. Not everyone is looking for a savior, tragically, but... People are looking for security. They're looking for strength. They're looking for certainty, for refuge, for protection. And Moses is a man who endured incredible highs and incredible lows in his life. Of course, some of the trials began before he was able to understand what was going on. I mean, he was born in a time of chaos when uh, all of the boys his own age were being uh, put to death by the Pharaoh and of course he was hidden by his parents until they could hide him no longer and then uh, by God's leading um, his uh, parents decided at the hand of his sister to send him in the bulrushes to um, in that little ark on the Nile to Pharaoh's own household where he was raised in Pharaoh's household, and he had all of the privileges of the Pharaoh, and he had all of the privileges of Pharaoh's family, and yet uh, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, when he was old enough and it came time to make that choice, he decided he was going to stand with the children of God rather than to stand in the safety and the security of the pleasures of sin for a season. Tragically, many of us at times in our life, many people around us, uh, when we are in times of stress, we would rather have that felt security of pleasure, 
that felt security of uh, the things of this world that we think uh, in the moment are what is going to pr- provide for us and get us through the stress and get us through the trials. But as Moses learned and as Moses lived for most of the next 80 years of his life, we need to find our refuge in the Lord. And, and we don't know exactly when Moses wrote this song, but we do know it's the oldest of the Psalms. I want to read it to you as we begin to walk through it. I just want to read the whole thing to you as, it, as it's written, and then we're going to uh, look at four specific things that Moses wants to remind us of. Psalm 90 Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place, our refuge in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Now, that starts out on a high note, right? It starts out with like a great, a, a great reminder, a great confidence. We just a few minutes ago sang a, a hymn that Christians have been singing for hundreds of years. This is a song that Christians uh, and believers in in Yahweh have been singing for thousands of years. But the song takes a turn in verse 3. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep in the morning. They are like grass, which groweth up in the morning. It flourisheth and groweth up in the evening. It is cut down and wherewith for we are consumed by thine anger. And by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told, you know, I know that not everybody likes every style of music. And I've heard, I've heard Christians say, well, I, I believe I like a lot of different styles, but I don't believe God can use rap music. I don't believe God can use that heavy metal stuff. Friend, this is not folk rock. This is not classic rock. This isn't Don't Fear the Reaper. This is, you better fear the reaper. This is, this, these are the lyrics to a heavy metal song. These are the lyrics to a, an intense worship song. This isn't something that's going to get written today in nice, easy listening music. This is, these, these lyrics are intense. Look at verse 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet it is their strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. My first roommate in college, I was a freshman. He was a junior, I think. I, I got there for freshman orientation. He had already moved his stuff in, but he wasn't there and so he had, this was back in the old days uh, where, where we had cassette tapes, right? This was even back before CDs. And so he had these rows and rows of cassette tapes. And so I, he wasn't there, and I was 
kind of curious what my roommate was into, so I remember opening up, and he had track after track after track of death metal and, like, the intent, like, grunt, like, you know, the stuff where they, like, rah, 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 rah. He, he, he liked that kind of music in college. That was my roommate. Well, the, that, these are the kind of lyrics to the Christian groups that, that would sing that kind of stuff. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. But here, verse 12, it begins to turn again. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. Speaking of children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Now, this is an intense song. This is not something that's just written to make us feel good or just make us um, relax. This is a song. A song is meant to be sung. I don't know exactly where the chorus starts and ends, but this is a song that is meant to get us to think intensely about some things. And there are four things I want to show you in particular. Number one, we need, if we're going to experience God as our refuge, we need to, number one, commit to the permanence of the refuge. Commit to the permanence of the refuge. What does that mean? Again, verse 1, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place, our refuge in all generations. One of the struggles that we have in Christianity today is we don't just have culture clashes between people from different countries. We have culture clashes between different generations in our own households. Generations are changing faster than any time in, in history beforehand. I mean, think about it. Uh, up until the Industrial Revolution, culture changed at, at a snail's pace. But, but now it changes every few years. And so we're trying to constantly readapt to the cultural changes. And yet, despite all of the change that we see, God is the constant. God is never changing. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to remind you as we talk about this word, Lord, and this thing, dwelling place or refuge, Jesus is the Lord of the Old Testament. Jesus is the Lord of the Old Testament. When Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Jesus comes along in the Gospel of John and says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the shepherd who's going to protect you. And it, it, it was what was announced to Mary whenever she conceived. And it's what was announced to the shepherds when Jesus was born in Luke chapter 2. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, Messiah God of the Old Testament. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39, you search the scriptures because for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of 
me. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is our refuge. And understand that this refuge that God has provided for us today on this side of the cross, on this side of uh, the empty tomb, it's only accessed through the gospel. So the refuge is available to you. The refuge is available to everyone in, that we know. But that refuge is only access. The only way that you can get into the castle, the only way you can get into the tower is by trusting in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. By admitting that you're a sinner and that you need forgiveness and then trusting in the one way that God has provided. And when we trust in Christ's payment for our sin, when we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we are saved, we're brought into God's family, we are brought into the refuge, and this refuge is not just for my generation, it's not just for my culture, this is the eternal refuge from Adam to the end of Revelation. All who trust in Jesus have access to this refuge. But I need to remind myself that he is my refuge. I remember when I was a runner back before my back gave out. I think I've shared this with you before, but uh, when I lived in Scranton, uh, one of the only, th other than my friends in Scranton, the only thing about living in Scranton that I really missed was being able to run at Lake Scranton. And it was a, just a great place to run around the lake. It was uh, uh, 5K, I think exactly. And um, so I would go there either before work or after work, and, and I, that's where I did a lot of my prayer time and a lot of my uh, devotional time with God. And I was praying, and I, I would pray through one of the songs, psalms that I would pray through was Psalm 23, and I, would, I wouldn't just quote it, but I mean, I'd pray through it, and I'd be thinking and meditating on it. And that was one of my go-to prayers and, and songs. And I remember one day I was praying, and... I started, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I stopped and I said, you know, Lord, you say that if, if you're my shepherd, then I'm not going to want. And yet I have all these wants in my life. I have all this, this lack and this hunger that I have in my heart. And I really, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I sensed the Holy Spirit say very clearly to me, are you living like he's your shepherd? Are you really living like he's your shepherd? Are you, is, is he your shepherd? When you, when you need fed, is he the one that you're going to? When you're lonely, is he the one that you're spending time with? When you feel like you're not having your needs met, are you really spending time in prayer with, with him? And I had to realize that even though he is my shepherd, I wasn't treating him like he is my shepherd. So I have to commit to the reality that there is no lasting refuge anywhere else. There is none. There is the pleasures of sin for a season. Uh, there are dis we, we can distract ourselves. We can keep ourselves busy. But he is the refuge. The second thing I want to show you is not only the permanence of the refuge, but I want you to contemplate the sovereignty of the refuge. I want you to spend time thinking about the fact that he is sovereign, that means he can do what he wants to do. That means he doesn't have to ask my permission to do anything. He doesn't have to ask my permission for the trials that he's going to uh, bring us through and the trials that he's already brought us through as a family. He doesn't have to ask my permission for uh, 
my health conditions, um, for my financial situations. He doesn't have to ask my permission for that because he's the creator. Uh, verse that we're going to, Lord willing, look at uh, on Sunday morning, Romans chapter 11, verse 22, where Paul tells us that we need to consider both the severity and the mercy of God. Some of us, man, we love that. We love to preach the severity of God, right? Some of us are hellfire and brimstone. We just severity, 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 but there's not a lot of mercy evident in our life. But then others, they go to the opposite extreme. They just want to talk about love and mercy and grace. They don't want to talk about accountability. They don't want to talk about consequences. And the reality is, Paul says, we need to consider both of those things because they're both true. And so we have to remember that because Jesus is the God of the Old Testament, he is our creator and Christ preceded creation. Paul says, in, Col in fact, he was the one who made it, so he had to be here. Paul says in Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Firstborn being a title, not, not a description. It doesn't mean that he, was, uh, that he didn't come into existence until he was birthed. It means that he, when he was born as the firstborn, he took that title of being the most important person ever born. And the reason that he's the most important ever born, person ever born is because Paul goes on to say, by him were all things created. He's the one who created everything. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1. Jesus Christ preceded creation as our Creator, and He is also judge of His creation. He, he can do what He wants, but we can't. Oh, we, ha we can do what we want, but we, can, we don't get to choose the consequences of what we do. We don't get to choose the consequences. Remember, this is Moses writing this, and, and at uh, Numbers 26, we read these words. These are they that were numbered by Moses and Eleazar, the priest, who numbered the children of Israel in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. But among these, there was not a man of them whom Moses and Aaron, the priest, numbered when they numbered the children of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said of them, they shall surely die in the wilderness. And there was not left a man of them, save Caleb, the son of Jephneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. God said, you've disobeyed me long enough. The only two who are going to get into the promised land are Joshua and Caleb. The rest of you, over a certain age, all of you who are above this age, you're going to die in the wilderness. Say, that's harsh. Why, is, why was God so harsh? Well, God was harsh with those with whom he had given grace, to whom much is given, much is required. And he held them accountable for that. And God holds us accountable as well. And so Moses wants us to understand, thou carriest them away as with the flood. They are asleep in the morning. They are like grass which groweth up. Listen, he lived this for 40 years. This was his life for 40 years. Funeral after funeral after funeral after funeral after funeral. Millions of funerals over a 40-year period. And he, he watched this happening every day, this reminder. And he is, by the Holy Spirit, he put this down so that he can speak to us and remind us of the brevity of life and the accountability that we all bear 
to our creator. And what God says he will do for verse seven, we are consumed by thine anger, by thy wrath. We are troubled. As we contemplate the sovereignty of the refuge, I also want you to consider something. I want you to consider the judgment or the sifting of the refuge. The last time I heard this passage preached by a a preacher, not the only time, but the last time it was by, I'm not going to name the preacher, but one of the most famous pastors in America, pastors one of the largest churches in America. That's all I'll say. He was preaching on this passage, and he did some incredible, incredible gymnastics as he was teaching through this passage. He skipped over all of the painful verses, one right after the other. He talked about four or five of the verses and highlighted all the good ones. But if you you did not bring your Bible to church with you that day and you did not have it open, you would think that this song is just all about God's mercy and grace and you would have completely missed these intense verses. He nerfed. Psalm 90. Guys, I'm not going to nerf this psalm for you. This is intense. This is a reality check for us. Consider the sifting of the refuge. Consider the judgment of the refuge. Christ's wrath. Let me give you three reasons to spend some time thinking about the wrath of Christ. Not just the goodness. Now, we're going to talk about the goodness in a minute. Again, Paul says in Romans eleven twenty two, consider the severity and the mercy. Don't don't just focus. Don't just focus in on one. If you only focus on the wrath of God, you're going to live your life like uh, God's some uh, angry old, you know, with the white beard and the flowing beard. And he's just hurling thunderbolts and lightning bolts down at people. And if, if that's all you're focused on. But but again, if we just if we ignore that aspect of God's character and we just look at the mercy we're going to get distorted but we want to not forget the mercy of God either that's what makes his grace so amazing is that his judgment is so severe and the evidence of that is the cross the evidence of that is that he would hate our sin so much that he would judge sin at the expense of his own son's life So let me give you three reasons from this text to consider Christ's wrath. Verse 8 says, our sin is the source of his wrath. Our sin is the source of his wrath. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. The things that nobody knows we've done. The things that nobody knows we've thought. The things that nobody knows, God knows. And none of us are guiltless. Now, I know we're not maybe as guilty as the person that we're living beside or that we work with and we see them and they, they're living uh, in such debauchery and it seems like they're getting away with things, they're getting away with things. Psalm 73 is for them. They're not getting away with anything, all right? You see people on TV and you're like, God, why aren't you judging them? Why aren't you judging? It's coming. It's coming. So there are other songs that are written for them, but... We have to remember that none of us are sinless. None of us are guilty. 
are guiltless. We're all guilty before God. And so the days of our years are three score years and ten. You realize that in the beginning, God allowed people to live for hundreds of years. It didn't make the world better. It didn't make the world better. I, I would love to still have my grandma with me. I'd love to still have my grandfather with me. Uh, they passed away when they were in their mid-90s. But a world full of three and four hundred year olds would not make the world any better. It would not. It would not because we, we don't just get better at things when we get older. Sometimes we get, I'm going to say it, sometimes we get uglier and meaner too. And I'm like, I'm not even pointing any fingers at anybody in here, but I'm just saying, y'all know people that I'm, that, that somebody came to your mind when I said that, all right? We're all sinners. The, our sin is the source of his wrath. We have to remember that. Our struggles are the consequence of his wrath. So my sin has consequences. Now, sometimes, sometimes it's not my specific sin it's just mankind's sin it's just the culture's sin it's just the community's sin that causes consequences okay i'm not saying that that every single bad thing that happens to you is the result of your sin but it's the result of a sin a sin-soaked world psalm 711 reminds us that god judges the righteous and god is angry with the wicked every day god is angry with the wicked Our self-absorption, the third thing he says under this, our self-absorption creates an ignorance of his wrath. Verse 11, who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. See, we get so self-absorbed that we don't understand that God has a right to be angry. Do you, do you realize, do you, do you realize the amount of, of patience that God has to endure what I can't endure. My, my, Gigi and I were talking just last night about some of the, the wickedness that's, that's just, it's not being held accountable in our own culture. And it makes my head want to explode with all of the wickedness that I get bothered by. And I don't know one fraction of the wickedness going on in a single moment around the world. And God is angered by it, and yet God, in his grace and mercy, he withholds judgment as long as he does because of his mercy. That's Second Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But remember what? The book of Ecclesiastes is all about. By the way, this is the book of Proverbs. I'm uh, taking our uh, Sunday school class through the book of Proverbs. Uh, but we see this also in the book of Job. It's all about the fear of God. It's all about learning the fear of God. Unto man, behold, the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom to depart from evil is understanding. Teach us to number our days that we may gain hearts of wisdom. I heard of a man who um, he decided, I don't remember if it was uh, marbles or jelly beans or pennies or what it was, but he got this jar and he figured out that 
verse 10 says the day, you know, the day of our years are three score years and 10. And if by reason of the strength, four score years, 70 to 80 years is the average lifespan. Wherever you go in the world, generally speaking, when you factor out things like um, infant death rates and whatnot because of health conditions, generally speaking, people live 70 to 80 years. Uh, and certainly we would say that's those are the quality years. Those are when you are really most productive. If you can be productive into your 80s, that is a rare, rare thing. To really be active and productive into your 80s is a very rare thing. And so what this guy did was he said, okay, if I live to be 80 years old, um, he figured out his age and, and how many days it would be from his, from his age now to when he turned 80 years old. And he, and he put, you know, whether again, whether it was pennies or marbles or whatever it was, he put that number in a jar, thousands of them, right? And every day he would take one out. Every day he would, he, first thing he'd get up in the morning, he'd take one out. And, he, and it was a reminder to him to apply this verse to number my days. And that's just if God gives us 80 years, right? God doesn't promise us 80 but we need to remember the reality that we are going to come to the end of our life someday. And every day matters. Every day is a gift from God. So we commit to the permanence of the refuge. We contemplate the sovereignty of the refuge. We consider the sifting or the wrath of the refuge. And then lastly, we don't end on a sour note. We don't end on a bitter note. But we begin to cling to the mercy of the refuge. And this is where we, yes, focus on the severity of God, but we also come back to the mercy of God. Listen again to what he says in verse 13. Return, O Lord, how long, and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Sometimes we just cry out to God and we're like, God, I've had enough. I can't take any more. I can't take any more of this, God. It's too much and that's what that's what Moses is saying here I mean again he's he has endured so much in his life from the moment that he left the comfort of Pharaoh's palace he's spent most of that time in the wilderness first as a shepherd for his father-in-law then with the rebellious children of Israel who were constantly complaining and constantly attacking him. He's the reason as the intercessor, as the one who stood between them and God and pleaded their case before God. And yet here their defender, their intercessor, they just had nothing often but disdain for him and criticism and complaints. And every day a funeral one right after the other, millions in 40 years. Return, O oh Lord, how long? <laughs> God, how long do I, am I going to have to live with this kind of suffering? But here is where it begins to get so beautiful as he trusts in God's mercy. He says, verse 14, O oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us. And the years wherein we have seen evil, let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto thy children. He said, listen, God, help me focus on the things that I can rejoice about. Help me focus on the things that I can give thanks for. 
in the midst of this affliction, in the midst of all this evil that, I'm, that is overwhelming me, and all the consequences of sin that I'm having to deal with, other people's sin, right? Not just his own sin, but the consequences of other people's sin. And he's crying out to God, help me, God, to focus on your glory and your work. And let the beauty of the Lord God, our God be upon us and establish all the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. See, Moses realized that only the Lord Christ, only Yahweh can bring true satisfaction. And only Yahweh can bring lasting success. Because the sandcastles of this world are going to continue to fall. Oh, they're, they're awesome in the moment. They're awesome in their beauty for a moment, but the waves of time keep coming and keep crashing against them. And people build their entire lives for these things that are, yes, they're amazing they're, and they're majestic accomplishments and they're great and we celebrate them and then they're gone. And we have all of this glory that we chase and all of these things that we think, oh, if, if I just get here, I'll be satisfied. If I just get this in my life, I'll be satisfied. And Moses comes uh, probably at the end of his life. We don't again, we don't know exactly when he wrote this, but he comes to the realization that, you know what, as ugly as as this world is, Jesus Christ is still beautiful. God is still beautiful. And I'm going to focus on what God is going to bring out of. This trial, because what was God doing during those 40 years? He wasn't just sitting back and watching. He wasn't just judging those he had said to judge. He was raising up a generation. He was raising up a people that were going to go into the promised land and going to do what their parents and grandparents refused to do. Who were going to trust God, led by Joshua. And we're going to experience all these incredible blessings of God. And he says, you know what, I'm going to focus on what God's, what God's doing positively and not just bemoan and grieve the things that I wish God would do true satisfaction. Lasting success can only be found. In Jesus Christ. Boy, do I need that reminder. <laughs> because how many times do I chase satisfaction and, and chase success in, in myself and depend on myself? And. And I have to remind myself, as Moses learned as ugly as this world is, I need to let the beauty of the Lord God be upon me. And I need to trust him to establish my work. Because he can, he can bring eternal significance out of the things I do in this temporary life. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are our dwelling place, our, refu our refuge, God. And God, we live in a sin soaked world that is experiencing just God the, just the very beginnings of your judgment and how much more judgment is to come when you you take us out of the picture but God in spite of all of the grief and the stress and the pain that we endure God not only from our own sin but from all of the sins of of this wicked world around us God may we remember to number our days may we remember to seek beauty in your face and, and lasting success in your working through us.
And God, not depend on ourselves, not depend on anything, God, but you, and to find rest and hope in you. Father, we love you. We thank you. We, we are so thankful, God, for the privilege of having a God who loves us that much and who does work through us and does establish our work forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Today's message was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie on June 30th, 2021, during our Wednesday evening service. We have services multiple times throughout the week, and we would love to see you at one of them. They are Sunday school at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 7 p.m., and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it.